Today's election day. Will your vote count? I've spent the last four months looking at election security. I've interviewed dozens of experts, and unfortunately, the best answer I can give you is, I hope so. Knowing for sure that your vote got tallied the way you wanted it to in 2018, like in 2016, is dependent on what state you live in. Welcome to Bots and Ballots from Yahoo News. I'm Grant Burningham. We're still piecing together what happened in 2016, and it could take months or even years for us to truly know what happens today. But I have serious concerns about the cybersecurity aspect of our elections, at least in several states. I don't say that lightly. Even raising these concerns has the potential to damage the consensus on our elections. And everything I'm going to talk about today is not an excuse not to vote. Every bit of tinkering or chicanery I'm going to mention gets harder when the will of the people is obvious. And one way it can be obvious is if turnout is high. But that doesn't change the fact that there's a very real, non-zero chance that the security of some election will be compromised today, or has already been compromised. So vote, and then chew your nails like the rest of us. This is going to be a two-part episode in some ways, because I want to talk about election security, and then I'm going to talk about my biggest worry for Tuesday. It isn't a catastrophic hack. It's something more sinister, and ultimately more insidious for our democracy. It's that someone, or some country, or some group will poke some part of our election system just enough, and just publicly enough, to create a narrative that undermines our elections for everyone. There's been a very real, very sustained effort over the past three years to attack our faith in institutions. And my worst fear is the statistically most likely outcome, in my opinion. That we will leave the 2018 voting booth with less confidence that we're being led by the leaders we pick. Not because of some terrible Russian sneak attack on our voting machines, although that's a possibility, but in the cloud of disinformation originating in the U.S. and abroad that's being created with the purpose of making us think it's all rigged. In short, fake news. The article that your uncle likes on Facebook while Truth is putting its boots on. But before I get to that, I want to talk about the actual security of our voting system and how we got to where we are. And that story starts in 2000. An election in turmoil. A presidency in the balance. A nation waits. Who will emerge the winner in the historic Florida recount? We'll get the latest. The 2000 presidential election was close. Really close. Out of 6 million votes in Florida... Future President Bush's lead in the critical state came down to 537 votes. In the ensuing mess, before the Supreme Court actually stepped in, a lot was made of the mechanics of the voting system. First, you have to know that the punch hole is called a chad. It is attached to the ballot by four threads. In the morning, the commissioners had decided that if it had been detached by only one thread, it would not be counted as a vote. Two detachments, maybe. Three, definitely counted as a vote. At some point in the process, that was changed. It all seemed pretty archaic. After 2000, Congress did its best to prevent Florida from ever happening again. Unfortunately, that meant pushing states towards new, unproven technology, which didn't have a backup. Now, it's almost understandable that states would jump on this technology a little early. What's less understandable is that in the last decade and a half, after one system after another has proved insecure, and computer scientists have been sounding alarm about direct recording electronic machines, or DREs in particular, several states haven't upgraded their voting machines. 
the fight against paperless voting systems was led by computer scientists in the early 2000s because we understand that you just can't trust computers for a whole variety of reasons. They could have software bugs, there could be mistaken programming, or they could be attacked or manipulated uh, surreptitiously. And if there's no, no paper trail, no paper ballot, there's no way to verify if any of these things has happened. That was Barbara Simmons, a computer science PhD and the chairperson of the Verified Voting Foundation, on the problem with these DRE machines. Louisiana, Georgia, South Carolina, New Jersey, and Delaware will all vote exclusively on DRE machines today. Pennsylvania, Texas, Kansas, Florida, Tennessee, Arkansas, Indiana, Kentucky, and Mississippi will all vote in part on these machines. Barbara left me with this thought about whether or not we could secure the elections in time for the vote. We are not defending our elections the way they need to be defended. As I say, the security of your vote will vary from state to state, but as a country, we are not taking the necessary steps to protect the results of our election. The midterm is vulnerable to attack. There's nothing we can do about it. It's too late. It's too late. If Putin wants to attack our midterm, he will. How scared should we be? Oh, I'm damn scared. I'm very concerned for our upcoming election because this voting machine is used in 18 different states. And it's extremely this is a security researcher at a hacker conference called DEF CON. Now, this year at DEF CON, they bought a bunch of voting machines and they let security researchers do whatever they could to them. Here's Rachel Toback breaching a voting machine which voters will use today in the state of Georgia in under two minutes. Removing this, you don't need any tools to do this. Unplugging this, again, you don't need any tools to do this. Turning it on, all you have to do is pick this lock here with a ballpoint pen. Open this up. Press the red button, and we're going to let it boot up here, and then I'll show you the admin access. I did a whole episode on the election security in Georgia, in part because it's some of the worst in the country. Here's characteristically soft-spoken internet activist Cory Doctorow on the machines being used in Georgia. Georgia's voting machines have been a dumpster fire that people have been sending the alarm about for like the 17 years since they were installed. They are garbage. They've always been garbage. The person who bought them was an idiot who was in dereliction of their duty. The problems in Georgia have become a partisan issue of sorts. Brian Kemp, who's running for governor in Georgia, is also the secretary of state there, which means he oversees the election that he's running in. Now, these problems go beyond the hypothetical. In 2016, a security researcher named Logan Lamb discovered an election server in his state was wide open on the internet. He was able to download the state's entire database of 6.7 million registered voters, and he could have changed the versions of that database that were sent out to counties, according to an article in Politico. There was a bunch of other stuff in there, too, like passwords and instructions, as well as the files for the poll books. Logan reported it, but the state didn't end up fixing it. The case became the subject of a lawsuit, and that began a strange saga where one server went missing and another one was mysteriously wiped. Now, most of us would think an election hack would look something like changing the results in a master database. But the LAM vulnerability shows us another way to get to an election. Changing that database or that poll book could allow some malicious actor to clog election lines in certain precincts or purge some percentage of voters who have names that sound like a certain ethnic group. I talked to Kim Zetter, the author of Countdown to Zero Day, Stuxnet and the Launch of the World's First Digital Weapon, who has spent years studying the system's vulnerabilities. She sees Georgia as a prime target for those seeking to disrupt U.S. elections. 
we have this false sense of security that just because we haven't seen certain things and really we don't have the ability to see certain things, we think that votes haven't been changed. And it really bothers me when election officials say this. I mean, I was I was sort of yelling about this right after the 2016 election when everyone was asserting that no votes had been changed. No one knows whether or not votes were changed. They don't know whether they were changed in 2016. They don't know whether they were changed in, you know, 2014 or 2000. All of this is meant to ensure that there's no sort of national panic about our elections. I see the value of that on the one hand, but on the other hand, it really undermines our ability to fully secure the elections and election systems. So there was one final attempt to get paper ballots in Georgia. I talked to David Cross, a lawyer with Morrison and Forrester, who sued to try and force the state to have paper backups in time for today's vote. The suit ultimately failed, but not before the judge pounded state election officials for having, quote, buried their heads in the sand for Georgia's election voting system security. When I talked to Cross, he put much of the blame for the state's problems at the feet of candidate Kemp. He has made it an issue to keep Georgia's system how it is for this election, and that's what's odd. The state finally issued an RFI, you know, a, re- a request for proposals to uh, replace this system, but not until the 2020 election. And I don't think it's a coincidence that, that request went out you know, right around the time that our, I think shortly after, if I have the timing right, after we filed our motion for preliminary injunction. Cybersecurity is just one of Georgia's voting problems right now. 50,000 voter registrations were put on hold, which was the subject of a lawsuit. An exact match program put in place by Kemp where a misspelled name or missing hyphen or apostrophe could block your registration, affected another 53,000 voters, 70% of whom were black, according to the AP. Kemp's office purged roughly 1.5 million registered voters between the 2012 and 2016 elections. The AP reports that 670,000 voters were purged just last year. And there's been an effort to throw out absentee ballots with signature mismatches, a move that was blocked by a judge. Also, 214 polling places have closed in the state in recent years. But Georgia is taking place on the backdrop of a larger national story. In 2017, the Department of Homeland Security notified 21 states they had been targeted by Russian hackers during the 2016 presidential election. We also know that spear phishing emails with malware were sent to election officials after someone impersonated a Florida-based e-voting vendor. The NSA believes that was done by Russia. The publication The Intercept found out about the attack using a public information request for an election official in North Carolina. It's unknown if the email worked, but the state was plagued by glitches on Election Day in 2016. I'm not all doom and gloom here. Here's Joe Hall, the chief technologist at the Center for Democracy and Technology, who says in some ways our election system is a much harder target in 2018, but also puts the fight in pretty stark terms. So we're better off than we've ever have been. Um, the way I describe it, and this is unfortunate and not truly fair to election officials, is we're sort of arming janitors to fight Navy SEALs or Special Forces folks. Like, we have a lot, right, to do before we really can adequately defend ourselves. And right now we're sort of sharpening their broomsticks and things like that and hoping that um, the Navy SEAL folks find some other targets that are more interesting or more financially, you know, uh, uh, susceptible or whatever. Um, but yeah, so we're better off than we've ever been. But we have a lot of work to do and a lot of of, of investment that we need in election as critical infrastructure. 
So that's where we are on election security. I said at the beginning this would be a two-part show, and this is where I'm going to get to my real fear with this election. I talked to Representative Denny Heck, who sits on the House Intelligence Committee, and one thing he said to me when we were talking about these probing attacks in 2016 from Russia really stood out for me. Uh, but we do know because of forensic evidence that they were on the inside snooping around. In fact, there's one school of thought that believes that they left a, they left a trail of crumbs on purpose in hopes that much would be made of it during the election in the interest of undermining people's confidence in the whole process. Of course, the Obama administration did not rise to that to that bait, and were later held in some criticism for it, but it was a conscious policy decision to make sure we were not undermining people's confidence in the absence of evidence that uh, actual manipulation had occurred. In other words, Russia didn't have to breach our election systems to sow doubt in them. He just had to poke them. The Obama administration, as Heck said, didn't take that bait. But this time around, who knows what will happen? To me, that's the other threat this election. The bigger threat. The misinformation threat. This is Clint Watts, a former FBI agent who studied Russian disinformation in 2016. Here he's talking about the messages that Russia was actually pushing during the election and how those messages changed when it looked like Hillary Clinton might get elected. No surprise, they wanted us to doubt our own system. Uh, they actually had started to shift their, their plan. I think they were building in, in case of a Clinton win, they wanted to discredit her and undermine her ability to govern. So the, the themes really switched from uh, political ones to the election is rigged and there's widespread voter fraud because the ultimate goal of, the, of active measures is to destroy democracy. It's to erode trust in democratic institutions. It's to make people uh, fearful and not believing in their own country so that they become apathetic. And that was sort of a secondary shift that they, they pushed all the way up to election night. So Russia didn't just want Trump to win. It also wanted us to doubt our own institutions, like the FBI and our financial system and, yes, our elections. What worries me about today's election is that Russia has showed this trick to the world, and that means anybody could be trying it. But disinformation now is far more likely to originate in the United States on a website like InfoWars as it is from a foreign intelligence service. Right now we're a country with a fractured view of reality. There are people who are deliberately trying to mislead us daily, to make us doubt, to make us despair, to make us apathetic. My worst nightmare is that the election today will play into that and add to the cycle, and that will make 2020 worse as a result. Here was my guest from my first show, Samuel Woolley, director of the Dig Intel Lab at the Institute of the Future. He's an expert on disinformation and bot messaging, and he sees this muddied information space as leading us to more division, more disgust, and ultimately more dropping out of the election system. The goal of dis misinformation and of fake news is not just to get you to change your political opinion, it's not to try to get you to see articles you didn't see before, it's to make you disgusted and it's to make you confused. And by doing that, it's to kick you out of the electoral process. In 2018, what I'm most concerned with is sort of the, this underlying issue of the way that propaganda consistently seems to be using to exacerbate what is already terrible polarization in this country between Republicans and Democrats. I, I think that we will see more granular usage of propaganda against people of color against women, but also uh, from one party to the other, 
abortion, uh, gun, gun rights, gun control, gay marriage, marijuana legislation, all of these hot-button issues in American politics will see propaganda get leveraged both for and against them. Since I talked to Sam, he's indeed seen some of this hyper-targeting. In a report that came out on the 26th, he found that members of the far-right extremist groups and the alt-right have stepped up their online disinformation offensive to attack and intimidate Jews, especially Jewish journalists. The report found that 30% of the accounts responsible for the harassment were bots, meaning they were magnification tools for someone else's political aims. The day after the report came out, a gunman shouting anti-Semitic slurs opened fire inside a Pittsburgh synagogue. It's a dark time for our information space. So will your vote count? Unfortunately, in vast swaths of this country, we don't have a good answer for that, and that's unacceptable. But we're also living at a time where our cynicism and our disgust is being used against us. Everything I said about the cybersecurity of Georgia's election system or the other states with DRE systems is true, but it doesn't change the fact that our democracy is under assault right now. We have an obligation to show up. We have an obligation to vote. We may hear more about the cybersecurity problems that happen today, and when we do, we have an obligation to fix them. But we can't let it stop us from believing in elections or in America. That's it for Bots and Ballots this week. I'll just say it one more time to be annoying. Please vote today if you haven't already. Thank you to all my guests. This is my 20th show. If I've spent even a minute inside your head, I want you to know it's been a tremendous honor. Bots and Ballots is going to continue after the election. In the coming weeks, I'm going to look at regulation for the social media giants and for Google. It's a space where I feel deeply conflicted. On one hand, I think Facebook and Twitter and Google have some responsibility for the content that they serve. On the other, I'm not comfortable with them blocking certain types of content and not allowing people to sort out the best ideas from the bad ideas. I'm also not sure that I trust them to make the best decisions. And I'm terrified that Congress will blunder into the situation and make it all worse. It's a fascinating beat, and I'm going to stay on it in the coming months. Thank you to my producer through all this, Leah Hitchens, to my editor, David Knowles, to Yahoo News for giving me this podcast. Please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. For Bots and Bouts, I'm Grant Burningham. 